Let us pray together. <clears throat> Almighty God, open and inspire our hearts to hear your word. Silence in us any voice except your own. Speak to us with clarity and compassion and enable us to incorporate your holy teaching into our everyday life. Amen. Scripture reading today comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 36 through 42. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothes that Dorcas had made when she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am grateful to the Reverend Molly Spangler who started this new sermon series, There's Someone I'd Like You to Meet, last week with her reflection on the beloved disciple, a character who invites all of us to find ourselves alive and well within the pages of our holy text. This series will continue for the rest of the summer with each week focusing on a different figure found in scripture. Some of them you might meet for the first time, and others maybe will be familiar faces that you come to see in a new light. All of them will have something to teach us about a life of faith, including Tabitha. But you know, for a tradition that is built upon resurrection and that loves to tell resurrection stories, we pay precious little attention to her story. She comes to us in the Acts of the Apostles, a book that scholar Willie James Jennings says is about people repeating Jesus, or at least trying to repeat Jesus, to live like he taught us to live and do as he instructed and love like he loved. 
And by all accounts, Peter, who is one of the most famous disciples, Peter is doing a bang-up job of repeating Jesus. Right before our reading picks up today, he heals a man named Aeneas, who was bedridden for eight years because of paralysis. Jesus Christ heals you, Peter says, so get up and make your bed. And the paralyzed man does exactly as he is told. And as Mary read to us just a moment ago, Peter tells Tabitha to get up, and the deceased woman, well, she does exactly as she's told. He's on a roll, but he's not the only one who repeats Jesus in this story. It's billed as being about him, but please don't miss Tabitha. First of all, she is called a disciple, and she is the only woman in the entire New Testament to be designated that way. If anyone ever suggests to you that women ought not hold leadership roles in the church because it's not biblical, invite them to read Acts 9. Tell them about Tabitha. Now Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene and Lydia and Salome and countless other women are in our gospel stories and they are faithful. But not one of them receives this designation. Tabitha is a disciple. That's one of the first things we learn about her. But right after that, in the same breath, we learn that she is one of those people in Scripture who has two names, like Saul, who becomes Paul, or Sarai becomes Sarah, or Simon becomes Peter. The only difference is that Tabitha doesn't become Dorcas. She's both in the same way the whole time. She has two names because her name is Tabitha in Aramaic, but in Greek, her name is Dorcas. Like I mentioned with the kids, both of those names mean gazelle. It's the same name, just different language. Now when she dies, her friends send for Peter, come quickly, they say, come without delay. But when he comes and they take her, they take him upstairs to the room where she is laying, he can barely make his way across that room to her. After he rushes to get there, his attention is pulled in all sorts of different directions. Because there are widows there, and did you catch it? They are all trying to show him the clothes and the shawls and everything else that Dorcas made for them. They are showing off every stitch that was assembled with love and care. It's kind of funny to imagine Peter, who is absolutely desperate to be about the business of the Lord, is pulled aside for an impromptu fashion show. There's these women and they're pulling their tunics and their blankets even tighter around their shoulders as if that taut material might mimic the embrace of its creator. Our quilters, our quilters here at Shandon, they know something of this. So many of their stitches patch together prayers and love that 
provides a warmth that is far beyond anything to do with temperature. And Dorcas was like that. She stayed up at night cutting and hemming and crafting, piecing together something that could offer comfort to these women who were so frequently overlooked. Because the status of widows in that day was precarious at best. But Dorcas, Tabitha, she is a friend to them. She shows them kindness and grace and something like a gazelle, she leaps from need to need, from widow to widow, so that no one, no one that she knows or hears about will ever feel alone. I think this book includes these details to remind us of something very important. As the church, kindness matters. Kindness makes a difference, and we cannot take it for granted. A number of you are connected to me on social media. And if you are, you know that I post about three things. I post about church, poetry, and dogs. And that's it. Because you might have heard this, but um, social media can get tricky. A few years ago, I posted one sentence. If I have to choose between being right and being kind, I'll choose kindness every time. Now, those weren't my words. I don't even remember who said them, but I was sharing the quote because it struck a chord with me that day. And let me tell you what, you already know what's coming. I did not see it coming. It was the most controversial thing I have ever posted. I ended up having to take the whole thing down because arguments about kindness got so heated. A number of people, good, compassionate, kind people who are friends of mine said that these days, being right is of paramount importance. And then a number of people who are also good and compassionate and kind friends of mine said that being right matters little if we can't be kind along the way. It devolved from there and kindness became even scarcer. But my point is this. Sometimes kindness is underappreciated and undervalued. It's considered a nice option if possible, but really not the ultimate goal in and of itself. But Tabitha's life, Dorcas's life, it demands that we think differently. Kindness is not the only thing that we are called to as Christians, not by a long shot, but a disciple who embodies kindness is brought back to life in a book about how we learn to live like Jesus. Philip Simmons was a professor of English at Lake Forest College in Illinois. He was 35 years old when he was diagnosed with ALS. He lived with the disease for 10 years, 
And along the way, he wrote a book called Learning to Fall. And in it, he wrote, we know that we are truly grown up when we stop trying to fix people. About all we can really do for people is love them and treat them with kindness. Other people don't need our fixing, nowhere near as much as they need our simple acts of kindness. Tabitha understood that. And maybe her story wants us to understand that kindness actually does bear witness to the one who is the resurrection and the life. She had two names. In Aramaic, she was Tabitha, and that's the name that Peter knew because all of the Jewish folks, like himself, they spoke Aramaic. She was known as Tabitha. But in Greek, her name is Dorcas, and that is what all of the Gentiles called her. And the fact that both of these names are used interchangeably throughout her story tells us something incredible. The most difficult, complex, controversial, all-consuming social issue of the early church was relationships between Jews and Gentiles. Really, the only relationship early on was one of great animosity. When we read those words from Paul, when he calls the church to unity by writing, in Christ there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor, nor free, male nor female, he's penning this statement of tremendous theological hope. But that statement of hope reveals the fact that there is tremendous division here and now. For a thousand years, Jews and Gentiles were set apart from one another. They defined one another by being not a Jew or not a Gentile. It shows up in the gospel stories. We take note over and over again how Jesus sat down among Gentiles and talked with them and healed them. And he did all of this in a world that was very divided because Jews and Gentiles normally didn't share meals, and they didn't share worship, and they didn't share language. They were divided about everything important. But if you read all the way to the end of the book of Acts, you discover that Jews and Gentiles are reconciled. They become family, and they worship together, and they eat together, and they learn to love one another. But before any of that happens, there's Tabitha. Peter knew her by her Jewish name, but again, we meet her as Dorcas, too, because her heart was just too big to be defined by any one people. This woman who cares for widows, who wraps them in cloth and clothing and love, leapt across that historic divide. 
She was known by both names because she extended kindness to both Jews and Gentiles. In doing that, she built a bridge between estranged people and it changed the church. It changed the world, really. I hadn't even been here a year with you when my mother had her heart attack. Now, she has recovered well, but it was a serious incident, and for a couple of days, we didn't know her prognosis. And because it happened when it did, I wasn't able to go and be with her or go and be with my dad. Too many of you know what that felt like. It was terrible. What helped, though, was the wave of phone calls and emails and text messages and cards from you. You dropped off flowers and food because that's just what you know to do when someone is hurting. And you didn't just share it with me, you shared it with my parents up in northern Michigan. My mom called and she said, who is Jenna and who is Patty? Please tell them thank you for the card. Now, none of that fixed anything. I still couldn't go see my family for months. But those moments helped me realize that I have a family here, too. Your acts of kindness in those days expanded my world a bit more and reminded me in a very tangible way that we are never really alone. The church is many things, but we are nothing without kindness. Fred Craddock is one of the finest preachers who ever stepped into a pulpit. He was preaching at his home church back in Tennessee, and after worship, he was slipping through the choir room, and he saw a woman hanging up her choir robe, and he said, the choir sounded great today. You sang my favorite anthem, and she said, well, I hope so, because that's it. And he said, what do you mean? Are you retiring? And he thought that this was possible because she had sung in the choir, by his estimation, for about 108 years. No, I'm not retiring, I'm just quitting, she said. Well, what do you mean you're quitting? You can't quit. She said, I'm quitting. Well, it bothered him, so the next day he went to visit her at home. Why, he said, why are you quitting? And she said, I looked out at, from the choir loft at all of those people, and I realized what has haunted me for years. Well, what's that, Fred said. She said, they don't care. What do you mean they don't care? Nobody cares, she said. And he said, you're wrong. People care. I have traveled the church all over, and I have known this church my entire life, and there are people who care. He said to her very gently, I promise you're wrong about this. You really think so, she said. I do. Okay, then, she said. Name one. Well, what do you mean? If you are so sure, name one person who cares. 
You want actual names. Yes, I want actual names. Now, if I had been talking to her, I suppose I could have told her about Tabitha. But Tabitha isn't around now, and she hasn't been for quite some time. So what about this? If I were to talk to this woman, here's what I think I'd do. I'd give her your name. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.